Now tonight, I want to speak to you personally tonight. I want you to just listen to me a while tonight for the scriptures, if you would please. John chapter 4. This morning was good service, wasn't it? It just was. It was just a good morning. Thank God for that. Now tonight, John chapter 4. I'd like to read the first 14 verses. John chapter 4 and verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh to he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sachar, near to the parcel ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples was gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered, said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in Jesus' precious name. And dear Lord, we do pray for Mrs. Hayes, Mrs. Lindsay, and these others, Lord, that's sick, very sick. And dear Lord, we know that you could reach down tonight and touch their bodies if it be your will. And we would pray so, Lord. But dear Lord, we pray for thy will to be done more than anything. Dear Lord, we pray for those that's ill at home tonight with this flu that's going around. We ask you to touch their bodies. Father, I pray tonight now for everyone in this service. Begin with me. Stir my heart tonight. Let the Holy Spirit be real in this place. And we could see Him at work here. And feel Him at work in our hearts and minds. Stir us up tonight, dear Lord. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's good sometimes to be reminded that the privileges and benefits which we ourselves and, and which we enjoy today are not ours by achievement, but they're ours by inheritance. Now, like the children of Israel who came into the promised land, they lived in houses that they had not built. They eat of the orchards that they had not planted. They drunk of wells that they had not dug. And you and I as Christians enjoy privileges today and benefits which we have not earned. Right. 
Now, there are a lot of privileges and benefits as ours by the grace of God and the labors and sacrifices those have gone on before us. Now, I want to speak to you tonight about Jacob's well. I was born and raised up in West Florida, up in the Panhandle, up around Crestview, Florida, and up there is old clay country. And I remember when I was a little boy that we moved way back in the woods, and my daddy said, we're going to have to dig a well, boys. And we went out there, and I think the thing was four by four feet or three by three feet or something like that. We started digging. And I remember just as a little boy, Daddy let me down in a bucket, down in a hole, and putting dirt, that old clay, and chopping it and digging it out and putting that old clay in that bucket, and he'd pull it up and throw it out, and we kept on digging. After a while, you could look up and see the stars. It got so deep. But after a while, we reached some good water down there where it uh, gets deep in that clay and cold. I remember, you know, I've often told you about my old uncle that was such a drunk, he never drank, he just screwed off his head and sat in a court. But he, he was that kind of drunk, you know what I mean? And uh, one day he came to the well of my grandma's. He was drunk as a skunk, and he went over there to the well. And you know that old bench that you had, those old uh, buckets sitting on? He got up on it, and he got out of the tickle, the rope did, you know, and he got up there to put the rope back in the tickle, and, and, the, and the bench fell off, and down he went. And he said, you know, it was me and that bench all the way to the water. But they got him out of it. You know what? When you think about a well, digging a well, it takes time to dig a good well. It takes work to dig a good well. You don't get good water out of a shallow well. It takes work and labor to get water, good drinking water, and you have to go deep to get it. Now, I wonder, did George Washington... Davy Crockett, Sam Jones, Abe Lincoln, and many others ever realized that by their labor for freedom that this country uh, they would be building. Uh, did, I wonder, did they realize what this country would really be like? I wonder, did Edison really realize when he invented electricity what electricity would mean to us today? I don't think so. I think he was just tinkering around and discovered something. I really do after reading it. But look what it means to us today. Used to, we'd had to shut down church just about it when the sun went down, but now we can have church all night. Uh, that would kill a lot of Baptists, so. I mean, we could get away done with a lot of them. I wonder did Billy Sunday and R.A. Torty and D.L. Moody really realize what happened, what would happen when they stood up for the fundamentals of the gospel years ago. You see, these men stood up for the fundamentals and we call ourselves fundamental Baptists, and we are. We're independent Baptists, by the way, and that's very important. And if you... Uh, uh, independent fundamental Baptists have always been hard to get along with. Hard to satisfy. It ought to be that way. You ought to have to, it ought to be something you stand up for. Amen. And these great men years ago, when they was in the floor of the old Southern Baptist Convention and they was going right along with what was going on, and when they found out that the monies and the universities and everything was being run by atheists, they said, we're not going to associate ourselves with this bunch. 
and they come out from running it. I wonder did they really realize what it would mean to me and you today that we could sit here today and call ourselves independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptists. I believe they did what they did just because it was the right thing to do. I really do. Now here in John chapter 4 is one of the most familiar gospel incidents Jesus and his disciples had going from Jerusalem to Galilee. By the way of Samaria, they made a noonday pause by the wayside, if you would please, and Jacob's well was there, verse 6 says. Look at verse 6 with me. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now what's so remarkable about this is this well had been uh, there for about 1,700 years. And now it's still fulfilling its purpose. Providing water for many a household, for many a thirsty animal, for many a, uh, a field, if you would, please. And now it's still working too today. Almost 4,000 years and it's still at it. Now, in several ways, it is to this day a tribute to the life of Jacob, its builder. Now, I want us to see some truths that's taught from these verses tonight. What I want you to see tonight is we ought to be building for the ages to come, not just for today. What are you laying up in store? What are you doing that your life will count when you're dead and gone? When you're off the face of this earth, what are you going to leave behind? What are you going to leave behind you? Now, I pray that even so come Lord Jesus. I'd like to see him come tonight. I really would. Man, what a day it would be, wouldn't it? To cap off this morning and tonight's service, if we into this service right now, if Jesus was to come, what a day it would be. But if he does not come, and if he doesn't come for another thousand years, does not hinder the fact that he is a coming. He's coming one of these days. But... If he does not come this year, if he does not come next year, if he does not come 10 years, if he does not come for another 100 years, what are you going to leave behind? What are you going to leave behind? Jacob left a well behind. Now think about when he dug the well. Now think about it with me. His work has endured. Will yours? If all you have is your house and your car and your bank account, that's not going to endure. Like Brother Cook was singing this morning, that song got a hold of my heart this morning. I almost changed my message right in the middle of the song. Mom, I'll tell you something. There is coming a judgment day. And when that day comes, brother, everything's going to be tried by fire. Everything. And your bank account, and your houses, and your cars, and all the things that most people work for in this life is going to be burned up. Going to be left behind, gone. Smoke and ashes. Did you know that when you say that a man's work is endured, that speaks of his character? Anytime we see a good piece of work, neat and sound and solid, we know without being told that behind that work is a worker of solid character. 
I used to be a masonry contractor and I'd go out and I'd put some men on the job and I'd go start another job, put some more men on another job and you'd come back and sometimes you'd have to tear down a wall that someone had built. And it spoke of the character of the guy. If you couldn't leave a man behind by himself and tell him what to do and show him what to do and tell him to build that wall and be neat about it and do it something. Uh, my daddy always taught me something about bricklaying. He said, son, when you build a wall, back away from it when you get to it and say, I like that. If you can't do that, don't build it. Leave it alone. Let somebody else do it. My father-in-law used to aggravate the mud out of me. He was a, a carpenter contractor. And he would give me a set of plans while I was first learning how to be a carpenter with him. And he'd take me out there on them old Jim Alder houses and say, here, here's a hammer and some saws and some men. Uh, lay out this house and build it. And I'd, I didn't know nothing about it. And he said, just build that wall there. And I'd lay it out the best I could and we'd start cutting. I remember one day cutting a whole house of frame of rafters out the best I could. And I cut them two inches short. And he said, now, call him and tell him to come get this lumber and bring us some more. You know what he was doing? He was teaching me some character. Just because you make a mistake, don't quit. Brother, get up. Do it again. I used to build a wall with him. He'd stand there and watch me build a whole wall, lay it out and cut the rafters and nail them all together. And I'd say, how about that, father-in-law? He said, tear it apart. The window should have been this and that. And I'd have to tear it all apart. He'd stand right there and watch me do it. He taught me some character. He taught me some character. When a man's work endures, that speaks of his character. Now, Jacob probably dug that well in much difficulty. Did you ever think about this? He didn't have no steam show. He didn't have one of these hydraulic gills. You know, just touch a button and just throwing dirt everywhere. They had to deal with a shovel, an old spade, probably a pickaxe, and a little bit of uh, uh, primeval tools that they had to work with. It took much time to do it. Jacob could have built more cheaply. He could have gotten uh, along probably without it. A lot of other people did. Why did Jacob do well? I mean, he could have probably went down uh, five or ten miles and got some bottles and bought some water over where he was. He did well. Listen to me now. I want you to get this for him too tonight. Many have come by that way and have been takers rather than givers. They consumed the fowl, the fish, and the flesh and left behind the empty dish. You know, a lot of people do just that. A lot of people are takers. I think they're born in this world takers. All they do is take and never give. Always, what can you do for me? It's never, what can I do for you? It's always, Lord, what can you do for me? It's never, Lord, what can I do for you? They're born takers. Now, here's a reflection of greater wisdom than the builder ever realized. If only Jacob had could have known that the Son of God was going to set on his well. You ever think about that? When I read this, I said... And listen to this. Then he came, and Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well. 
Let me give you something. Now, I want you to pay attention to me tonight. Don't, don't be looking around. I want you to listen to me. If Jacob had known that the very Son of God came down from the thorns and the pearly gates of heaven was going to sit on his stony well, I wonder how he laid the stones. Would it have been any different, Jacob? Would you have dug it any different? If you knew Jesus was going to sit on it? I think so. I think so. Let me ask you something. Today, today, now don't, don't think about nothing else but today, would you have lived this day any differently if you know Jesus was going to come to your house today? Hmm? Would you have lived any other way than what you live today if you knew Jesus was going to come to your house today? You know what? I think we'd have talked a little bit different, don't you? I think we'd have washed our mouth. I come that close to preaching a sermon tonight on the tongue. The mouth. The awesome power of the spoken word. Awesome power. I was listening to a sermon, the man preaching on the awesome power of the word of God. Man, that stirred my soul. I'm going to wash my mouth from now on. Oh, yeah. I want to watch it a little bit closer. I wonder if we know, if we just thought for a second that Jesus was coming to our house today, would we talk the same as we talk today? Would we have walked the same as we walked today? Would we have dressed the same as we dressed today? Would we have gone to the same place that we've gone today if Jesus was coming to our house today? If Jesus was going to sit on your well, would you have done it any different? I think so, Jacob. Now, here's a reflection on greater wisdom than the builder ever realized. I say if every Christian could know how important their labors are, what joy and dignity it would bring even to the smallest of labors for Christ. Can you imagine this? Jacob was a great man. You go study the Bible. Man, Jacob was a great man. And just digging a little well, what is that to God? I mean, God don't care about me digging in the dirt. God don't care about me laying a few stones. God don't care about me getting down yonder and getting a glass of water. Yes, He does. Everything that you do in this life, God is interested in it. Amen. That's the important of this lesson tonight. Everything that we do in this life is important. God gave us this life. Every second of my life is important to God. Every moment. I don't want to waste a moment of it. I want to use it for Christ. I mean that today. I got worry anymore. I sit down at the house. I want the Bible close by. I want my notebook close by. I want some sermons close by. I want some tapes close by. I want to use my time wisely. Every minute counts. Listen to me. Everything in our life then means something to God. Everything does. Even the little significant things that we think that don't mean anything. Let me give you something. Last night, the girls' home, Bill and Robin, electricity went out out the girls' home. And they didn't know what to do about it. They didn't have no electricity, didn't have any heat. It was very cold last night. They called and we told them to come over to the house. 
But now we got a bunch of gurus. You can't put them all unless you put them on the floor and everywhere else. And they begin to call around and, and some of y'all took them in your house and took care of the girls of the girls' home. You say, preacher, that's insignificant. God don't care about that. Yes, he does. Amen. Yes, he does. And I'll show you other places. Now listen to me. Brother Christian, these others that drive these buses and take care of these buses and go out and, and bring in these little children to Sunday school. Somebody said, nobody cares. Yes, God does. Yes, he does care. When these men come out here on Saturday and they get in these old cars and they go out there and they visit every for hours and hours on Saturday while everybody else is going to the beach and the movies and every place else in the world and somebody says, nobody cares. Yes, he does care. God cares, brother. He cares. I look at Brother Milligan and I think of the many hours he spent back there in junior church and missing the auditorium, missing the singing, missing the preaching, and missing everything in here. And I want to give you something. Brother Milligan, one of these days you're going to get your rewards in heaven, brother. And I'm not bragging on you. I just want to show you a truth. This is a truth. We think that's insignificant. Them little boys and girls back there. Not to God it isn't. Brother, he cares. He cares about everything you do. I think of Brother Tony back there and Margaret and Mrs. Koncheck and, and those others that work in a WANA program on Wednesday night. They miss Wednesday night service. They miss the part of the service. But I want you to know right now, God cares. Sometimes I'd like to leave this pulpit and, and go and see what the Sunday school is doing and go see what Junior Church is doing and go see what the WANA program is doing and get involved myself. I can't. This is my job. Here. I gotta stay here. But I want you to know right now, no matter if I don't know where you're at, sir Lord, and just exactly what you're doing, God does. He keeps the records. Wouldn't it be something if Jesus was to come by and sit with you one day on the work that you've done? If a mother who has stayed up at night and nursed and rocked and kept a sick baby back to health and worried and prayed over that teenager could ever see maybe one day that that one could be used to the Lord like a John R. Rice or a Brother Ruloff. Think about it. We think of these men and never being another one like that. And there will be another one like that. It can be a greater than they are though. And you might have one of them sitting right by you. You might have one sitting right by it. You've took care of and you've rocked in your arms and, and you've nursed back to health. And you say, nobody cares but me. Yes, they do, but God cares. God cares. At a Baptist convention, the chairman noted in the audience an old gentleman who had been for years a Sunday school teacher of Charles Evans Hughes. The boy who later became the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court and the first president of the Northern Baptist Convention. That frail old man had held, helped build the character of Charles Evan Hughes. That teacher had been building more wisely than he knew, didn't he? Think of this, teacher. In your class, there might be a boy and a girl in your class that might shake the world one day. Amen. That might be the President of the United States one day. 
that might be a congressman one day, that might stand in the pulpit one day and preach the gospel with great power in might of the Holy Spirit upon him, like a Jack Howes or, or these great men that we've heard in this pulpit, Dr. Tom Malone, oh God, I heard a man say the other day that uh, he was making a joke out of it sorely on a, he said that Dr. Tom Malone said, I'm losing my mind, and he said, I wish I could find it. Brother, you listen to me. One of the greatest men I've ever been around in my life is Dr. Tom Malone. And to be around his presence, it just exuberates the Lord Jesus Christ all around him. And we say, and we put them up on a pedestal and say, there can never be another one of them. Listen to me. You can have one sitting right beside you as greater than any Tom Malone. By the grace of God. God cares. God cares every time you have to spank that child of yours and make him behave. God cares every time you have to take him to the doctor. God cares every time you make him go to school and learn. And God cares if you make him go to Sunday school where he don't want to go or not. God cares if you make him be still in church and learn of the word of God. And we look around and say, nobody cares but me. I'm the one that has to do it all. God cares. God will reward you. How are you building for the future is the question. Jacob's work has never stopped from being a blessing. The Samaritan woman refers to our father Jacob who gave us this well in verse 12. But 17 centuries have passed. God said in Revelation 14 verse 13, their works do follow them. Now let me give you something tonight. Your works follow you whether good or bad. But your works follow you. Your works are coming along behind you. Every once in a while, my son-in-law, he, he tickles me. I would be riding all over town building. I say, I built that building. Ride a little bit further than I built that building. Ride a bit. He said, I think you built every building in this town to hear you tell it. 